Psalms 116, verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You know, when we think about all of this and, and we consider it, I, 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 the Lord had put a passage on my mind, and it's in Luke, or on my heart, in Luke 16. And uh, I want you to turn there, beginning with verse 19. Maybe you can just think for a moment, what happened one second after Lanny left this earth? What happened one second? This particular passage sort of peels back the eternity side for us and lets us look one second past ourselves. It lets us look in to past this life. I want you to see something. Verse 19, Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed and lived each day in luxury. At his door lay a diseased beggar named Lazarus. As Lazarus lay there longing for, for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the beggar died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and he was buried and his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Lazarus in the far distance with Abraham. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have pity and send Lazarus over to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in anguish in these flames. You know, the rich man represents, along with the poor man, the, the, the things that we've been feeling, or at least for me, in these last few weeks, this is Lanny's the third funeral, Rayburn Crawford, and then Miss Margaret Anderson, and now Lanny. And, and, and you can't help but think death. And, and I want you to look in this passage because it definitely says the rich man died and he was buried. His soul went to a place of the dead, also known as the place of torment, and what Jesus called in many instances in the Bible, hell itself. Verse 22 tells us that a beggar died and was carried by angels to be with Abraham. Now, some of you, I know that you've been thinking about death and, and you've been thinking about possibly death for yourself. And uh, we get concerned about that. Sometimes we get a bit fearful about that. But I can tell you, if death is anything after or the second after we die on this side, if we're carried by angels, I just want you to know you're going to be carried by some good folk. You're going to be carried by some good people. They're going to take care of you. They're going to see to it that you get to your destination. But if, if your spirit's right, if your soul's right, if, you, if you're spiritually right, then you can count on it. God's going to make sure that you get there. But if your soul's wrong, if you're not right, if Jesus is not in your heart, the Bible says that you will immediately wake up in a place called hell. Verse 24 tells us that the rich man shouted unto Abraham, Have pity on me. Send Lazarus, the poor man, to dip his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in anguish in these flames." You see, loved ones will weep o'er my silent face. Dear ones will clasp, clasp me in sad embrace. Shadows and darkness will fill this place five minutes after I die. 
Faces that sorrow I will not see. Voices that murmur will not reach me. But where, oh, where will my soul be? Five minutes after I die. Never to repair the good I lack. Fixed to the goal of my chosen track. No room to repent. No turning back. Five minutes after I die. Mated forever with my chosen prong. Long is eternity, oh, so long. Then woe is me if my soul be wrong five minutes after I die. You see, Jesus gives us a snapshot of the other side of the grave, and he gives us a picture of the first five minutes after death. He pulls back the curtains of eternity and gives us a look at the unseen world, and he shows us the immediate fate of two men who died. One died with God, and the other one died without God. You say, well, what happened to Lanny one second after he died? Well, 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, Absent from the body, we will be immediately a present with Jesus. That's where Lanny is, and that's where Lanny went. And I'm telling you, that's where you're going if you know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus and you die before you get your soul right, you will end up immediately in hell. You will follow in the footsteps of the rich man. You won't follow in the footsteps of Lanny. You won't follow the footsteps of Lazarus. You will immediately bust hell wide open. Well, Mike, that's just unfair. Well, isn't it amazing that Hebrews 10, 6 says that God is not unfair, he's not unjust, and he's not unrighteous. No, so somebody has to be a liar, and it isn't God. Well, to mention hell sometimes brings with it different reactions. Some people react with a concern and are moved because of it to share Jesus with the lost. Others, on the other hand, with fear, come to Jesus seeking salvation for their own souls because of it. Still others react in hate and oftentimes revulsion and say that it's not a proper topic of conversation. And yet others seek to even deny the very existence of hell itself. Psalms 9:17 tells us the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. The major difference that we see in this passage between these two men is not that one was rich and the other was poor. Don't get the idea that one man went to hell because he was rich and the other man went to heaven because he was poor. God does not put a premium on poverty nor does he put a penalty on plenty. It's no vice to be rich, but it's no virtue to be poor. God does not condone poverty, nor does he condemn plenty. You see, the difference between these two men was not what they owned, but who owned them. And let me ask you the question, I know who owned Lanny. I know who owned Rayburn Crawford. I know who owned Margaret, but who owns you? You see, if you can't answer that question, I can tell you who your master is. It's not Jesus, it's Satan. And listen, you and I by nature, we are told that we were born with an endemic nature. We are born into this world bent towards sin. We're bent, we're, we're brought into this world as sinners. But Jesus, when he redeems us, when he forgives us, he makes us saints who choose to sin. That's what the Bible says, and that's what the Bible teaches. You see, 
when we look at these guys, we need to understand the rich man had everything except God, and he was satisfied. The poor man had nothing but God, but he was saved. You see, Lazarus in his own name, by his own right, means in God I trust. God is my helper. You see, verse 22 says, when he died, he was carried to, by the angels in, to Abraham's bosom. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, the scripture tells us that angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those to, to whom have inherited salvation. The rich man was lost. He knew why he was lost, and uh, he knew why he ended up in hell. You better know before you lay your head down on the pillow tonight whether Jesus is in your heart or not. Listen, you may end up driving down the expressway and the same thing may happen to you. It may not be on the expressway. It may be two miles from your house. It may be somewhere or somewhere. It could be in McDonald's simply. And we've experienced that in the past. It can be shopping where somebody gets crazy and decides with a gun they're going to blow somebody away. It could be your kids at school when some nut goes and decides that he's so whacked out that he's going to take other people with him. We don't have that opportunity to know when we're going to go. The fact of it is, this rich man, he was in hell, and he knew that he could see the surroundings. He saw them with scalding tears. It was clear that that the rich man was a real man, and he was in a real place involved in real torment. That we see that people in hell can hear because of the screams of the millions of the parched throats. Matthew 13, 42, and says, And they shall be cast into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. We know the rich man could feel he, hell wasn't just a state of mind. It's a real place. You, it's a real place where people go that aren't prepared for eternity in heaven. He was also, we, uh, the rich man saw people in hell of, of wanting, still wanting in hell. All he desired of Lazarus, all he wanted that poor man to do was to come and to dip his finger and put a drop of water to his tongue for he was tormented in the flame. So in hell there is want. In hell there is memory. In hell there is hearing. In hell you'll feel. In hell you'll see. It's a real place. Listen, you may not think being saved isn't very important. You may not think that it really, doesn't really make all that difference between being lost and being saved. I'm telling you, it means all the difference in the world in your eternal life. I don't know what you've been taught, and some of you believe when you die. All you're doing is just going to the grave and nothing ever happens. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, yes, by our standards of our human tent of which we live in, that that body will go into the grave and turn back to the dust. But you're not body. You're spirit. And when you leave here, you're going somewhere. You're either stepping into heaven or you're stepping into hell. There is no in-between. I promise you, when you get into eternity, 
you'll see and exactly experience what I'm talking about. 2 Peter 3, 9, we hear the heart of the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. But He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. You see, God didn't want you to be lost. He sent the Holy Spirit to call you. He sent the Holy Spirit to awaken you. And believe it or not, through situations of death, He can quicken your spirit. He can quicken your mind. And He can make you think about those things after this life, the story is told of a young man who was going out to a party one night, and as he passed the door to pick up his things, his mother had laid a gospel tract on the table by the door. Greatly, it infuriated him. He picked it up, and he wadded it up, and he threw it on the floor. His mother had been praying for him and witnessing to him for a long time, and finally, he looked at his mother, and he said, Mama, why, why do you give me this stuff? Where can I go? Where, where can I go where nobody will ever give me a gospel track or ever tell me about God anymore? His mother said with a quivering chin, My son, in hell, nobody will ever give you another gospel track. Nobody will witness to you in hell anymore. Of all of the sad pictures of hell that are mentioned in the Scriptures, none is more tragic than the hopeless state of its inhabitants of those who are already there. Yes, it does bring us remembrance of death, but also a determination. A determination to do the right thing. Notice what he said. I pray, therefore, Father, that you would send Lazarus to my house, for I have five brothers. Send Lazarus that he might warn them to tell them about this awful place. Isn't it amazing that we wait until eternity to get worried about eternity? Here this poor man was outside of the gate of of the rich man's house every day. The man was so weak and poor that he had to use the saliva from the dog's tongues to heal his wounds. And now he's crying unto Father Abraham to send him back from the dead to get the attention of his five brothers who were lost to me, he got very determined too late. I wonder today, do you give a rip about your family? Do you give a rip at all about your kids? Do you give a rip at all about your friends? Can God use you to bring somebody to Jesus? Any? Because you know what I've noticed? If I use my mouth and my mind and my knowledge of the gospel road, he'll send lost people to me. But he's not going to continue. If he can't trust you, he's going to send them to the people that will tell them. Last week, 
just in a little old modular. We opened the one side, well, actually both sides, but one side to the clothes closet. And some people say, well, good Lord, what's so spiritual about a clothes closet? Nothing. I mean, if you got clothes, I hope you know the Bible says don't walk around naked. You know that, right? We need to tell some people that, but that's, that, that's, we're supposed to wear clothes. The guy that came to me didn't have a lot of clothes. But he came with a greater need. He came with a great need to be saved. And he said, how, what does it mean to be saved? And, and I spent time with him. And before he left my office, because of a little ticket for free clothing that he got out of the food building, he got more than he bargained for. He got Jesus this last week. Jesus sent him to somebody. Jesus will send lost people to you if he can trust you. He will. Do we even care? Do we really? I think it's amazing that not only is it important that we understand that we're to have de- that we've got death around us and a determination, but look at verses twenty-nine to thirty. Abraham said to Moses, "They have the prophets and the writings." And they have Moses and all of the teachers and preachers and and speakers of that day to listen to. If they do not hear them, you better hear this. If they do not listen, though Lazarus or even Lanny came back from the dead, they would not hear. You see, sometimes... Even myself, I begin to wonder, what is the use of preaching? (laughs) What's the use? Some of you just go to sleep. Some of you thinking already, where am I going to go eat? Work that out before you get in here and you won't think about it. You're thinking about, it's too hot in here, it's too cold in here, the preacher's too loud or he's too quiet. He ain't nice enough or he's too nice. He's real or he's fake. I don't give a rip what you think about stuff like that. I really don't. But I'm going to tell you what you better give a rip about. And that's the decision that you make who you're going to listen to. Some of you are sending money to people when this church could do more for Jesus. You're sending money to idiots that won't preach the full gospel. I don't get it. And some of you won't even support it. I don't get it. I really don't. You'll explain that one to Jesus one day. I don't because I'm going to tell you, not only do I believe that I ought to tithe, but I, I believe I ought to give an offering. I believe I ought to give it all if he required it. Because it ain't mine. It ain't mine. The decision that Abraham reminded these guys 
is if they don't listen to Terry when he teaches and they didn't listen to Lanny when he was here and they won't listen to Jason and they won't listen to, uh, to Butch and they won't listen to Jason and his class and David and all the other teachers in Melbourne, everybody that teaches and witnesses, if they don't listen to you, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. You told them. You warned them. And if you haven't, do so. And do it quickly. You say, Mike, that's not my job. Oh, yes, it is. If you're a believer, it's your job. If you're not doing it, you're backslidden. I had a guy who was in here yesterday. I hadn't seen him in a while. And he looked at me. He said, Mike, I hadn't been here. I said, yes, sir. And I've sent you about four or five messages. I got them. And here, here's what he said. It's hard for a backslidden eyes to always see what God can do in just one second after a man dies. The death of Lanny has touched a lot of people. It's touched you. It's made you think not only about death, but hopefully with a determination and a decision to do something about your sorriness. And I'm not talking about you're a sorry person. I'm talking about we got one young lady that goes around 11 countries in 11 months and makes impacts, and we won't even tell one person about Jesus here. Lanny told people in the craziest way. Some people use the excuse, excuse well, people are just not going to like me. Good night, guys. <laughs> they liked him. And you can't be any crazier than he was. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody any crazier than what he was. But people got saved. Why? Because he used this mouth. Yeah. He opened it. He wasn't afraid. He opened it. He wasn't perfect. He opened it. He used it. For who? For Jesus. Three people die every second. 180 people die every minute. 11,000 people die every hour. 260,000 people die every day. 95 million people die a year. Two teenagers were talking on this subject at school, and one said, wouldn't it be neat to know the time and place that you're going to die? And the other one said, what good would it do? And then that one said, I just wouldn't show up. <laughs> Lanny could have been five feet to the left, five feet to the right, and missed it. But it didn't happen that way. You want to know why? Because there is what is called an appointment. And the appointment that I'm talking about is the appointment of death. It is appointed unto a man wants to die and then 
the judgment. Guys, death is not an accident. It's an appointment with eternity. My wishes, Lanny, if he could open up and tell you, and all the others who have died and gone on, if they could just shout it one time, they would say, get it right. Accept him while you can. Let the pride junk go. You can ride motorcycle leathers. You can have all those things that motorcycle riders wear and still be saved. You can have long hair. You can have beards and money. It's okay, but it isn't okay to go into eternity without Jesus.